Sammy Saggers. What an intro. <laughs> what an intro. I tell you what, I've got to get me one of them. Uh, so oh. if you're seeing me, I'm not Andy and uh, I am uh, a ring in. We've lost Andy and uh, yes, I am now drinking wine on a Friday with my old bro, Jason. <laughs> so uh, uh, this is my second appearance on your show. So here I am. Well, we do, uh, we did just to wax a little bit of lyrical. Usually we talk about our wine. Um, I think you got the Fagazi wine today, haven't you? And, and, uh, uh I couldn't, well, yeah, I couldn't I, find I, any decent wine. I had to raid my mum's cupboard. I got gossips and I think that's about $4 a bottle. <laughs> it, it is. It is. I've got some gossips in the, in the wine cave. It is, uh, it is about $4 a bottle. You, it's not bad <laughs> to, uh, to, yeah. I don't know. Cook. I think it's cooking wine, but give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> usually, unfortunately, good wine's usually wasted on me, Sags. So, um, but uh, I'm sipping away, and it's alcoholic, and it probably get me uh, get me a little bit uh, tipsy, so we can get wound up about what's in the news. But uh, a bit you of a shout out both. to a few you people on both. Yep. Yeah, Alison's joined us. Welcome, Alison, once again, second time today. Yeah, good to see Allison, you. Uh, Allison <laughs> grew up in the same suburb as me, and we don't, we're, we're now connecting the dots. Is that right? Hunters Hill? Or, yep. Um, yep. There you go. She's uh, she's a Hunters Hill lass. So yeah. good stuff. Wow. Well, there you go. Well, give us a shout out in the chat, folks. Um, as you can probably tell, that's not Andy Fenton right there. Um, it's nope. Sam Saggers. Uh, for Andy Fenton's missing MIA at this point in time. <laughs> Anyone seen Andy? Let him know he's due on Facebook right now. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, Sam's uh, warming the warming the seat here. But we might uh, wax a bit of lyrical in a minute, Sam. But um, folks, uh, I know many of us were going to dial into this one today, and we were going to do a little bit of follow up on the mentoring. Uh, subject the other day. Uh, g'day, Di. Good to see you. Uh, we may still get to do that, but my, what, what Sam and I will 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 do uh, at the beginning um, is we'll go through the process, go through our little structure that we have on Wine and Wisdom. And Sam, uh, uh, just to let you know, usually we do a little bit of what's in the news. Um, we pull stuff. a few articles up and we uh, we make some comments on them. And um, then every now and then there's one or two things Andy and I think people should know, and I'm sure you've got one or two of those up your sleeve as well. Um, and uh, depending on the night, if you've got questions and you're sitting there right now, chuck them in the chat, uh, team, gang. Well, that's and, great. Uh, that's and great. Sam I mean, and I'll circle around. I'm excited to talk about the news. In fact, the best news I've heard all day is uh, Sydney is open for business. So. It's great. Right? I've been, so, uh, what and, does that mean specifically, Sam? Is it like everyone's going back or, uh, or it's, over? It's, or? Yeah. Look, the traffic's back. It's uh, it's a great <laughs> signal. Traffic's a, a signal of the health of an economy, and um, it is just great news. Um, I was just about to sneak off, actually, to see the world, and Jason called me, but no, I was out an hour ago, and everyone is everywhere. Shops are open. People are doing business. Trade is back. Uh, and the uh, New South Wales Premier just announced that he is going quarantine-less when it comes to international travel. Yeah, so if you're an he... international uh, participant in Wine and Wisdom, you can come to Sydney as of November 
And as long as you're vaccinated, you do not need to hotel quarantine. Oh, so, that's, a, that's a bit of a game changer, to be honest. That's a game it? changer. That's, yeah. uh, that's people coming back. So because students, travellers, yeah, great I, news. You must have been uh, you must have been looking over my shoulder when I was thinking ah, there what we talk about in the news, Sam. <laughs> so, but he's pretty aggressive in what he's what he's talking about, and he's he's rattling the tin here. He's talking about let's go, everyone, let's get uh, people into Australia. Uh, we need explosive uh, growth and students as well. Like Australia is a little bit off the pace with the students at the moment. Canada's winning, but I'm sure we'll come back. Maybe uh, maybe let's just talk a little bit about what that might mean. Sam, you know, if we got 2 million people over the next five years plus the students, you know, and or the students as accommodation, what, far out, what would that do to our property market? Uh, well, you know, I, I, I was actually talking about the next phase of property, which is no doubt, um, you know, probably going to enter the rental phase of the marketplace where we're going to see some high levels of rental growth and i think brand australia obviously you know throughout the the pandemic has has been pretty good i mean um you know the fact that uh we actually have a little bit of care around you know how society is governed is is quite a good thing particularly for people in emerging economies so you know without question um what I am seeing at a local level is, you know, shops not being able to operate at full capacity because they're short of staff. Um, I think the whole economy at the moment is, is, you know, most small businesses, which are a big meaty part of the economy, are, you know, short staff. So yeah. I think we're going to need it. I think we're going to need people to, to come back to our urban centers and and um you know it's going to be great for business it's going to be great for the property market and and uh you know certainly um one of the challenges that countries have is an aging population which creates deflation when older people you know get on they don't spend as much money and of course if if more of your society is too old uh, you know, as as you would know from no doubt your parents, my parents, they yep. they don't put their hand in their pocket much. Um, no, they live on a they live on a what what a like a, a cup of tea and a piece of toast a day almost. You know exactly. Yeah. So yeah. you know the real underlying opportunity of obviously migration is is continued growth, and yeah. um, you know as soon as you start to live in a low rate economy with an aging population you just get deflation which thing means obviously you know uh, a level of stagnation so look it'd be great i you know i've only um been observing this premier for the week he's been going but he's uh off with a bang and uh you know some i think a lot of people would certainly Agree, you know, Australia is built on migration, so no point in stopping it now. Yeah, it has been for 20 years, right? And, but you know, we had a, a negative, you know, uh, uh, local population growth. It was going backwards. We weren't having enough babies for the people dying and getting old, and our tax base was getting low, uh, Sammy, and, you know, Australia needs it. And, you know, maybe, you know, like right now, just imagine, this did occur, 2 million people, even if it's a million people, it's still pretty damn fine. And um, But right now, 
Sam, we, we've got sort of backed up demand in the world of real estate pretty significantly in key places right now. Even if we had another 100,000 or 200,000 people over the next year or two, that would put some significant pressure on pressure on the, the supply system right now. Well, yeah, I think I think the only challenge with that plan of obviously bringing so many people here is where to put them. Um, and that is, is the real challenge. Uh, you know, um, outside one or two isolated pockets, there, there is a real, real problem with, um, you know, stock to, to eventually rent to people. And some cities now is, you know, bursting at the seams and um, certainly Sydney and Melbourne, probably the biggest cities with the most amount of product, um, you know, they'll fill up uh, first and yeah. probably join the other marketplaces which are in undersupply when it comes to to rents um, or comes to vacancy rates. So, yeah, I, I would imagine it's going to, you know, 2022 is going to be a quick fill-up year and uh, 2023 and beyond, we will probably be talking about how nutty rents are <laughs> in, well, uh, in cities. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's... It's kind of overdue for a little bit, to be honest. And I remember, Sam, you know, when you and I first caught up 2002, 2003, you know, XX might have been earlier than that because we kicked off PRE in 2003. I think it was like maybe even 2001, 2002, we, 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 we got in uh, into business together. Um, you know, we, we had that kind of – it was almost like an eight- or nine-year run, wasn't it? Like it, this, the, it was the longest property bull run we'd seen ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And you know that um, those years, you know, wage growth was was pretty. Um, you know, yeah. it, it was happening. I mean, you had yeah. mining mining boom one and two. You were just off the back of the Olympic Games. Um, you know, you'd just come through a transformation of real estate economics through uh, through you know deregulation of banks and and money money was flying and. Uh, Aussie dollar turned, was up there, wasn't it? It was like it was parity and over American and yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, we've certainly had periods before where, you know, the rent the rental market can climb climb quite quickly. I think it's, I mean, look, in many markets it's climbing quite quickly now. I've got, um, I don't know about your portfolio, but one thing that I struggle with is, Sometimes, and this is, you know, this is, I'm sure what other property investors struggle with. Sometimes long-term tenants ain't cracked up to what, you know, what they, um, you know, to be. Yeah. Um, I've got, I'm probably down dead set $20,000 per annum in rent because the rental market's moving faster than kind of the good bloke factor of having you know, a long-term tenant. It's yeah. almost like I'd love them all to leave now so I could relate <laughs> the property in in market. I've got a couple in Newcastle, which are about 50 bucks under. I've got a couple in Sydney, one of which is, you know, 200 bucks under. Um, and yeah, I you know, I think with where we're starting to see, you know, we'll eventually see a big run on this. It's, it's an interesting yeah. thing. You know, I don't know. Um, sometimes I think, you know, long-term tenants are great, but geez, uh, 
you know, where the market's at at the moment and some of the yields, um, yeah. And I, and I think you can go to sleep at the that. helm too sometimes, Sam. I mean, I just checked in on mine. I did a little thing, uh, you know, this morning on, on Coffee Chats, uh, you know, Canberra, the most expensive rent in the country. And my my property in Canberra, it's it's eighty to hundred bucks off the pace. Um, yeah, like yeah. I, like funny you mentioned that this morning. It, and, it can go quick. It can go yeah. quick. It, it you know, it's a click of a finger, and yeah. all of a sudden it's up 50, 60, 70 bucks. And it, it is very much uh, very similar a rental boom to to a property boom. If you snooze, um, you know, you blink, uh, you know, you procrastinate, you know, all of a sudden that suburb you really wanted to get into no longer exists and, um, you know, no different to the rental market. So, yeah, yeah look, I think it would be great. You know, Australia's built on migration um, and, you know, certainly I think with the unemployment rate as low as it is, um, I think there is jobs for for many of the, you know, persons skilling into in. the economy. Well, I was chatting with uh, our accountant the other day and there's a thousand jobs on the east coast of Australia, job ads for um, auditors. Um, you know, it's maybe not your or my skill set, Sam, but there's a thousand jobs available for auditors right now and no one in Australia to take them. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, what's what's interesting is there's a, you know, a combination of low-skilled work available and high-skilled. And, yeah. and obviously Australia has run a skilled migration program since really John Howard was prime minister. And, you know, skilling your economy obviously uh, increases your productivity. And, you know, Australia's done a really good job over the years of of converting, uh, you know, our economy into a more skills-based place. And, you know, obviously right now, though, it would seem, you know, whether you can wash some dishes or, um, you know, uh, win the Nobel Peace Prize, we need you. Yeah, absolutely. Just take a bit of a chance to sort of say a little uh, shout-out and hello to a few people. So day to Di and Paula, uh, Karen, Michelle, good to see you. Uh, Maria, Jace O'Neill, uh, good to see you, mate. Haven't uh, seen you for a little while. And um, it, uh, great to have, uh, <laughs> I know two people that are auditors both have a, have a drinking problem. <laughs> Jace, there's probably too much pressure and stress on them, mate. Uh, <laughs> so if you're there uh, lurking around in uh, on the live stream, give us a shout out. Let us know your um, uh, Let us know uh, where you're dialing in from and, and who's there. Sean, good to see you, mate. Great, great to see you. Uh, and Sammy, you know, that sort of ties into a few of these pieces. Uh, you know, we've had some insane, like just some phenomenal growth um, in the, the property market, 28% um, higher than the value of superannuation, the ASX and commercial property combined. The residential yeah. property market in Australia gains a trillion dollars in five months. Yeah. Um, and um uh, there we go. We've got Jared and Graham now. Facebook user. <laughs> There's somebody on there. They must be in the in the group. And uh, I'd love to say hello to whoever you are. Whoever you are, hello. Um, but uh, let us know who you are because unfortunately, sometimes Facebook hides that one. But uh, yeah, Sammy, like huge amounts of value added to our marketplace. Um, oh, mate, size up. Yeah, what's going on? It's. It's definitely, um, 
you know, a transformation, certainly the wealth effect, which, you know, we've talked about, you know, the markets quite often after something that shocks them, you know, it's probably what we've learned over the years, things like the GFC, things like, um, you know, challenges that structurally change the marketplace ultimately lead to the wealth effect. Yeah. As we know, governments, you know, a, a bedrock of of Australian economics is actually the housing market and uh, 60% of jobs are linked to real estate, whether that's, you know, the retailer selling a sofa, you know, Harvey Norman connected to um, white goods or, you know, a builder, you know, hammering away at real estate. Um, it It's almost too big to fail, but yeah, it's it's an interesting place, I think, where um, we've seen so many different elements all converge on the real estate at, at once. Yeah. Um, you know, low low cost money, but also, yes. you know, uh, a new, uh, I guess, found love of the great Australian dream and, and lots of people um, tucking into real estate for the first time that millennial movement into the market has just been um has just been outstanding so once in a, like it would you call it sam would you call it like a once in a lifetime convergence of just crazy shit right so you know uh covid hits and the government throws more money than they've ever thrown it at stimulation interest rates are the lowest we've ever seen supply was stuffed you know like it's this convergence that kind of like this magic thing, you know, Brisbane wins the Olympics and yeah. Yeah. yeah like Yeah. There is just, you're right. It, it is, it is fairly unparalleled when the GFC hit, um, you know, the GFC, the cash rate was really high when the GFC hit, mm. um, you know, 2007, yes. I, I took out a home loan at 13%. Um, which I remember is, I got one 11. <laughs> um, and, you know, the, the great thing the GFC did was almost like stop the inflation, which was just it, with off the back of the mining boom, it was just wage growth, uh, low unemployment. It was, it was getting tough to borrow money. And, yeah. um, you know, if anything, the GFC was quite friendly to people's back pockets, which was good, but we never saw the cash rate fall to where it is today. And I remember back then just thinking, um, you know, to to stimulate an economy, you know, the reserve can drop the rate and uh, they did back then. And obviously now we're in a situation where um, we're going to enjoy low rates for for a very long time. And I think you're seeing people's uh, sentiment behind that, the sentiment of, of, of um, you know, the average person who, who just wants to raise a family in a, in a property going, you know what, I get it. Rates aren't going anywhere. I, I trust what's going on and I'll make the move into the market. Great. So, yeah, but great. you're absolutely right. Like it is, it is an interesting convergence of, of many things all at once. All pushing in the right direction. Well, you know, and but you've got to be in it to win it, Sam. I mean, you know, if you're sitting in the bleachers and you know commenting from the from the cheap seats, you're not going to get the advantage or or the outcome. You know, no. what, what would you think? You know, I I I sort of said this the other week. You know, just chatting away. I think 
and from what I've seen and chatting with Andy and you and others, this low interest rate thing, it's kind of like you get hooked on it. You know, the country becomes hooked on it. It's the crack cocaine or whatever we want to call it. Maybe it's the, you know, but it's quite difficult to get off this low cash rate, low interest rate for the country. If everyone in the country now refinances at 2% or 3%, you know, any large increases in interest rates could be significant, like, you know, significant yeah. fundamental issues. Yeah, well, uh, and I can see David there commenting. I'm from Socialist New Zealand. Great to <laughs> see you, Sam. On the show. Yeah, yeah I, I think on, on this week's podcast, I called the New Zealand government a, a bunch of socialist Marxist, uh, <laughs> you know, um, even though, look, I, I do think some of the things that, um, you know, Jacinta does is very good for society. But, uh, you know, it's probably fair to say New Zealand is. Um, is uh, even more expensive than the Australian property market, which is quite mind blowing in itself. And um, you know, I think I think if if New Zealand's anything to go by, um, the the greatest risk to property investors is actually government intervention. I think Andy was saying that the other yeah. night. Um, yeah. You know, I don't think we're. I think rate the rate conversations a bit of a. A bit of a dead one, to be honest with you. It can't go anywhere or do anything absolutely crazy because of the the ultimate economic risk to the system. So, yeah, yeah. Um, like you've been saying for a while, mate. I think we're in for a, a good decade of of uh, zombie rates of yep. nothing. Yep. Um, and probably a game of musical chairs when it comes to. Uh, where the government, um, you know, how the government wants to command the the economy, and uh, that's just part of the puzzle, mate. That's I think that's why, you know, it's good to be coming along to events like this, to the mentoring program, because uh, you know, um, get, creating wealth uh, is just about uh, dealing with pain, and uh, and you know, there'll be some pain thrown our way, but I think. Um, you know, at the end of the day, low rates are, are definitely here to stay, bud. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you and I were having a chuckle the other week. I, I remember distinctly a conversation you and I had when uh, the the average price of a new house um, cracked $200,000 and you and I thought, fuck, it's over. Like, the, the you know, the, the new construction home. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, mate, one ninety nine, two hundred. Do you think with a one on it works? And we're like, oh, the, the world's ended, you know. <laughs> I know, I know. We, I feel like we're every five years we're like, what? It's gone from three to four. It's gone from four to five. It's. I think, yeah. you know, where I'm probably seeing, you know, uh, a good level of opportunity in Australia where people can buy a really affordable property in a very livable suburb um you know i still finding good value really six to seven anything yeah. with a five in front of it's an absolute bargain um but yeah no they're def definitely out there um so yeah so but it's you know it's where it at wealth is an accumulation strategy uh michelle's said she's watched the uh First million versus second million. It's so true, Michelle. Like uh, maybe Jason can can show you through that um, that uh, with his white. But maybe I can try my white. I don't know. Will that work? Oh, yeah, give it a whirl. Give it a whirl. I'll uh, I'll switch this around, Sammy. Voila. 
There you go. Yeah, so um, one of the things I think that, you know, property investors kind of don't comprehend is becoming wealthy out of real estate is actually easier at the tail uh, because if you think about going out and buying a 500K property, trying to make that a million dollars, and this is what I was talking to Michelle about, um, Jace, that's 100% you need on your money. That's, uh, yes. that, that's quite, a, quite a distance for, for wealth to travel. And then, of course, your second million from 1 million to 2 million, um, you know, that's another 100%. And as, as you know, Jace, um, one of the things that you coach so well is the idea of, um, you know, wants, needs, and dreams. And most people really, if they can get to $2 million worth of real estate, uh, not only from a yield point of view, does that spit out 100K in income on a 5% return, but it's rather like clean air because soon as you crack the $2 million playbook to go to make another million dollars out of uh, your assets to go from 2 million to 3 million, you don't need a hundred percent to make a million dollars. You just need 50%. And then obviously to go from 3 million to 4 million, you know, what's that? 33% or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, The diminute, like what I think a lot of property investors lose sight in is the idea that you need to accumulate your assets in that tough period. And as you know, most people fail at this part. Yes. And this is why we're seeing the rich get richer because the rich don't need 100% growth on their money. They've, they, they need 20% or 10% and all of a sudden you're – you're putting yourself in a position, obviously, if you can accumulate the assets, um, you know, your first million's the hardest, second million's pretty damn hard, and then it just gets easier, folks. Yeah, so yeah. one of the big, I think, um, challenges for people is 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 getting past that early phase hurdle, which, um, you know, and, and when these booms come along, it certainly um, certainly helps the cause, but you know, we've uh, we've got a long way to go for for many of the the clients, and and uh, but it does get easier. Is the point? Yeah, totally, mate. And it's nice, you know. We're now kind of eighteen years into coaching people, and we're starting to see, you know, that 15, 18 years of people building their portfolios, ending up with some amazing results, isn't it? You know, these last couple of years, it's just yeah, like yeah. Mind. I was just <laughs> catching up um, with uh, some some clients and I was looking at their portfolio and, you know, it's so, it, it is really good to meet people going into that preservation of wealth stage that have been doing this with us for 20 years. And when you're looking at their portfolio, like, and and newbies will probably feel like, geez, I've got got a long way to go i'm just starting my marathon but the enlightening thing i think is catching up with many of the um older clients and just saying well you know you only need 15 percent growth and you've got another million dollars here mate um, (laughs) you you, you don't need property to double you only need it to double in the beginning and then after that it's just you know it just keeps working and um yeah i think uh uh, Nicole said, uh, you know, enlightening. It, it is enlightening because 
that this is why you hear the rich are getting richer because it's easier to make millions at the um, the more assets you have, and yeah. um, you know, the, for for someone getting started, um, it's a long journey. But hey, we we've got the lashes on the back of that journey, and it's worthwhile. <laughs> it teaches you a lot, and uh, if you are listening and getting started, no problem with that as well. Absolutely, and you can use uh, some of the lessons that we've. Uh... You know, we've uh, found along the way, Sammy, to maybe uh, make it a little less painful. That's uh, that's part of being in the mentoring program. But um, there was a question before um, about off the plan. Jared um, asked about it. And, um, you know, do you think that those who've got off the plan deals not yet completed are going to see similar gains, you know, with growth, Sam? And, you know, we're talking, you know, one of these little bits of news snippets right here is like a apartment values yeah. you know, surge to records in more than half the country as well. So apartments are getting some high attention. What would you say to, to Jared? Um, yeah, mate. Well, uh, depends obviously what and where you bought. But, you know, one of the things I like to, to teach around real estate is particularly with pre-construction or newer real estate, really is sort of two types of new construction. There's low quality new builds and then there's high quality new builds. What we know, if you buy at the right square meter rate and you are in the high quality new build section of the marketplace, you're actually in one of the most undersupplied quadrants of the market. And uh, again, uh, really, you would have to say probably of all the new construction being created in Australia, are only around 20%, one in five properties come to market as a high quality new build. Um, yeah. And generally, they make people money. So um, with construction costs sort of starting to deviate with the logistic problems the world has at the moment, um, certainly the pipeline over the horizon of what I see. Um, as you know, Jace, we spend close to 200000 a year on data. Um, one of my favourite data engines is uh, Cordell's, which gives yeah. me a three-year horizon of stock into a marketplace. And what I'm seeing is you've got a couple of dynamics at play. Uh, one is some land now is not developable because uh, the mathematics doesn't work based on the new construction. So, you know, uh, for example, parts of southeast Queensland, you know, you, you can't develop a one-bedroom apartment for $700,000. It's never <laughs> been that much before, yet yeah. the DA is for, you know, XYZ, 50 apartments, combination of ones, twos, and threes. And mathematically, those sites now are kind of redundant to the marketplace we're in. And of course, yeah. what that does is create stock shortages. Um, what I am saying is, again, if it is a fairly, uh, if you did buy and potentially, you know, you, you're talking pre-COVID or just around 2020, You've probably done really, really well, but it really depends on again if if it's the right, um, you know, off the plan, or if it's uh, if it's something that you know you just 
you just plucked out, plucked off realestate.com or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's 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 a broad broad commentary. But look, I love um, you know uh, urban rebirth off the plan. I think it does does great with you know high quality new construction at a low square meter rate. Generally, uh, I find it hard not to make money um, out of that space. Um, it it uh, it does perform well. Yeah, well, uh, Jared said, mate, he got in on Victoria and Vine, and we were sort of chatting oh, well, about that. Yeah, the other day. Look, I, I'll give you some some direct stati- Jared, um, email me sam at positiverealestate.com.au. I've got uh, a new, uh, I've got some some data on that. Um, one bedrooms new, uh, basically up the road, starting at six hundred. Uh, two bedrooms new up the road, starting at. 1 million and here's the real one and we've said this for a while jace the yeah. three bedroom market uh undersupplied most undersupplied dwelling type in australia um is three bedroom apartments think about that right uh think about how many four bedroom houses are being built how many three bedroom houses are being built how many one and two bedroom apartments townhouses being built and then think about how many three bedrooms are being built not a lot, but obviously it comes with a price tag. Um, you know, we had a client buying VNV one six, and now up the street two six. So you know, probably up anywhere from sort of seven fifty to one million. Um, again, uh, they had to spend more, but I think we are seeing that if you can spend more, you're making more in this market. Um, and I had a valuer say to me the other day, which I know you've mentioned, you know, it's now no longer the worst house in the best street. It is actually the best house in the best street that is making the money. Just like yep. your uh, view shot there of uh, of wherever that is. <laughs> looks like Manly or something. But um, yeah, it, looks, it looks like a Sydney shot, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it could be, I don't know, it could be Balmoral maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. But um, yeah, yeah, it's, it, it's yeah. So Jared, shoot me an email, but I've got some good data for you. Definitely. Yeah. Money in that, um, that one, that's for sure. But that's a good, that's a great example with what I was talking about. Urban rebirth location, a lot of heritage in the market, um, great square meter price to begin with and yeah. high quality new build, not a low quality new build. So yeah, yep. you, you, yep. Can't, you can't lose. Yeah. Well, and Sammy, we talked about this. We've talked about it a few times. You know, now the the interest rates that kind of like a fake stimulus to to property values is kind of found a flaw. Okay, what so you know, what will drive the value, what will drive the rents? It'll be the quality of the product, not not the reducing of the interest rate. So someone can actually spend a hundred grand more when they didn't really want to, you know what I mean? It was stimulated by interest rates dropping, not by the quality of the property growing $100,000. Yeah, yeah, we've been held hostage to interest rates for a very long time. And uh, this is, again, something I think, you know, interest rates just another word for competition. The lower the rate, the more the competition. Um, When interest rates go up, people want more cash in their pocket um, now. When interest rates go down, people are happy to uh, have less cash coming in because they can, um, you know, obviously budget 
for more growth tomorrow. And I think the fact we're at an equal playing field now and will be for a long time, that uh, people will will absolutely be looking at real estate on its true intrinsic value as to its location, its aspects, its design, as opposed to playing the competition game, which has mm. just been a race of finance and whatever's available on the day. So I'm really yeah. looking forward to the next phase of the market where capital growth is more niche around the assets, uh, you know, in the marketplace. It's going to be an asset choice marketplace rather than a market-driven marketplace, which is, um, you know, right up my alley because, uh, you know, I love finding that type of stock. Mate, flight to quality has been your, you know, catch cry for ages and it's it's coming home to roost now in people's pockets. It's been amazing to see that being led, you know, in that sort of space. And, uh, you know, we talked about it the other week, Sam, and I, I, you know, you and I talked about bringing this to mentoring as well. You know, those places where, you know, a hundred four-bedroom houses being built, you know, eh, kind of bit naff, but Maybe if you added a five bedroom or a six bedroom in there, you know, maybe the valuation would be twenty grand under, but ultimately, the outcome in a year, two years, four years time could be, you know, fifty, eighty, a hundred thousand dollars more than the than the you know the the vanilla four bed, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think there's always been a uh, conversation piece around price versus value in real estate, and price does not equal value. Um, it never yeah. has, and uh, you know, the reality is sometimes it is actually better to overspend to to lock up a great property. Um, I don't know. Would uh, would people prefer a discount on a C or D grade property, or would people prefer to pay twenty, thirty grand over on an A or B grade property? Um, you know, I, we ran a poll internally. At work, um, I think it did go on to one of the the groups, and and most people would prefer to pay more for the right property than pay less for the wrong property. And yeah. I think that sums up, you know, the value versus price argument. Um, you know, I I don't think it's smart to to uh, get D grade assets because they're affordable. Um, and I see that now coaching people transitioning into their retirement space. I've looked at We were having a chat about that today, weren't we, Sam? You know, like yeah, people, I've yeah. had two two like quite sizable uh portfolio reviews this week through through work. And um these are clients that have been doing this 20 years and you know, multiple assets. Um, you know, one chap, one couple. Uh, you know, over 10 assets and sort of for 30% of their portfolio, they do not want to take into retirement. And lo and behold, it's the 30% is um, stock which is fundamentally aged and they can't actually get a cash flow out of it, even though they've reduced debt a lot on the asset um it's just it's just too many capital costs too many repairs and you know when you think about it, right like you know a $400 a week in rent um you know $1600 a month it doesn't take much to obliterate that a $5000 yeah. plumbing bill a 
uh, you know, uh, some electrical work. And it rots away, you know, that's yeah, 10 grand yeah. per deck. And yeah. yeah, exactly. And so what's been so fascinating with those two clients is the, the 30% they need to do something about before they retire is not the more modern assets, which they feel very comfortable. They've got, you know, other than, you know, the odd, odds and sods, then they're not worried about it. But they they are worried about the contingent liability when you don't work of what real estate has with it. Because real estate can be an asset, but it can also be a liability. And and obviously it's taking contingent liabilities. As soon as you go, all fun and games, I'm not working anymore, then it gets real. Then shit gets real <laughs> as to how you feel of the real estate. Yeah, um, and yeah. it's just interesting. It's their words, not mine. I, I'm just, uh, I obviously, you know, felt um, compelled to agree with them that uh, for them to go forward to to go into a preservation of wealth stage in their life, they probably are better off culling those ones and keeping uh, the more modern ones. Yeah. And I mean, Sam, you talk about this all the time, the highest and best use of an asset, right? And so if something's old and, you know, not making the most use of the land that's under it or the building is dilapidated, you know, you're not kind of dollar per per um, value maximizing the outcome of the rent um, at the end of the day. And, you know, that's um, it's kind of like it, it sort of plays into that sort of idea doesn't yeah it? No. yeah well yeah. i can i can show the the crowd the idea of rental gap theory which which i did the other day but um it's a bit of a repeat but um rental gap theory is just the the idea that um at some point you it is not viable to use uh to even increase the rent to justify the cost so what happens in real estate? You've got time, and you've got uh, you've got age on a dwelling, and basically what happens is um, you've got a period there where you start, and if you start with something that's fundamentally very old to begin with, let's say nineteen seventy five, the year I'm born, um, today that asset is forty six years. Let's assume though that's here and you want to um, get to retirement, which is 20 years from now. That asset is now 66 years old. In the middle, you've got this kind of concept known as the rental gap. And what you want when you buy a property is you want your rental gap to be very soft, a very soft curve. And the reason a soft curve works, if you start with something modern and you get, uh, you, you get to your preservation uh, years where you're living off income, you know, during that period, you may want to do just a quick rejuvenation, um, you know, maybe $30,000 in expensive to bring that property back to life. But what happens down here is... Um, Real estate can enter a stage where even if you were to, uh, you, you know, you couldn't renovate it uh, at a cheap enough price to justify doing it. In other words, you might have to spend $200,000 to renovate an yeah. asset, but you only get an extra $40 a week in rent. 
And all of a sudden, what happens is this is what is called disinvestment. In other words, um, basically, the, the asset has been disinvested to the point where it is no longer possible for it to, to grow again. And one of the challenges, I think the biggest challenge in real estate is if you buy a property which is destined to, dis to be uh, part of the disinvestment um, uh, space, but you also buy in a neighbourhood where other landlords next to you are also not renovating, yeah. And all of a sudden, the attraction to that market is uh, is really lower socioeconomics. Is uh, people can least afford it. People um, who are half a week away from being broke. And you know, I think one of the biggest challenges for a lot of property investment is disinvestment. Um, and you know, I think with the 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 way really society is unfolding, this is one of the biggest red flags to me is carrying a contingent liability into your retirement where it's like, well, I'm not going to spend $200,000 on this property. I won't get the rent back if I spend $200,000. So all of a sudden people do nothing. And when people do nothing, real estate just goes backwards and backwards. And and this is where you, uh, where you often see the idea of consensus in real estate um, and the divergence of rents. You know, the reality is some of the best properties in Australia, Jace, have the lowest returns. Yeah. And, and, and that is because they're nice, they're designed, they're in good neighbourhoods and, you know, they don't yield very well. Um, and what you often see on realestate.com is something might look good on paper, 6%, 7%, but actually it has never grown and it's only because it's going down because of disinvestment that the yield looks attractive. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Um, and in real estate, we folks, we call that rent gap theory. It's actually a theory of gentrification, but it's, it's, it's so accurate. So accurate. Uh, check out rent gap theory, but yeah, mate, it's um, it's an interesting science that one for sure. So, mate, uh, mate, it's always uh, it's always good to see your brain at work, and uh, good to see you got the old tech going there with the old iPad, mate. It's great. Mate, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm learning, mate. I'm following your uh, your your zone of genius. <laughs> I'll well, be mate, on the mountain um, bike this weekend. You'll be in the shed tinkering with some tech. I will be. I was, I was just doing that uh, not so long ago. So, yeah, <laughs> you got me there, mate. Um, well, uh, we might um, we might put a pin in it, Sammy. It's um, yeah, 5 o'clock yeah, or, no or 6 well, o'clock there. Uh, thanks, folks, for letting me be the ring-in. Thanks, Jace. Cheers mate, great to, to hang out with you, mate. We didn't drink much wine, but that's no, okay. No, no, my one's <laughs> been sitting in the kitchen since lockdown. <laughs> started <laughs> i think it's i think it's four months old i don't want to drink it but um <laughs> uh, good show good uh good good yarn thanks for tuning in guys jared see that email allison i'm yep. gonna stalk you yep do it do it all right well thanks folks uh what we'll do is i'll try and find fenton hopefully nothing untowards happened to him and um We'll circle around and we will i've got 15 questions here from mentoring the other night which is our $220,000 tax-free income strategy night. Uh, we'll circle around on that one and get those questions answered uh, for all of you guys in mentoring. So 
But, yep, Sammy, thank you. Thank you, folks. No Great to see all of you guys there. Um, that's it. Have a good weekend, mate. And uh, same to you, folks. See ya. Thanks for coming. Bye-bye.